Hi, this is Ben Delano from the Reader Writer Podcast, and you're listening to The Melting Podcast. You're listening to The Melting Podcast, a writing variety show featuring a little of everything from everyone, everywhere. Hey there, Lexiconosaurs, and welcome to episode 16 of the Melting Podcast. I'm AF. I am Aaron. And this is going to be our first real true variety show episode in that, you know, we're going to have more than... We, we have more than two things. We have a lot in store for you today, guys, so let's get going. We're going to start with a couple of Stoke the Fire stories. These are for prompt number five, which is something in the bathroom is your character's spiritual leader or confidant. Bon appetit. Expiration date. By D. E. Metis. June 21st, 2015. A.M. I've become aware of expiration dates as of late. I took a drink of expired milk by mistake a few days ago, and now I'm checking everything. It made me so sick. My head's been cloudy, too. The refrigerator at work is full of expired food. I'm going to ask Bill if I can just get rid of everything in there that has passed its date. June 22nd, 2015. A.M. I got into an argument today. Mike from accounting caught me about to toss a sandwich that was three weeks past its goodbye date. He said, Those are just suggestions. The sandwich being in the refrigerator is freaking me out. It has to be growing things on it. I shudder to think about what kind of spores are contaminating everything that exists in that airtight box. At least I got rid of all the other expired nastiness. I've also begun to clear my house of non-food expired items as well. The only problem I have is my shampoo. The date is smudged. I can't read it. I'm going to keep it for now. I haven't had the bottle too long. June 25th, 2015, AM. Mike's sandwich is still there. It's taunting me. When I was in the shower tonight with a head full of lather, I swear I heard a voice telling me to just throw the sandwich away. I'm going to do it. June 26th, 2015, AM. I'm going to toss Mike's sandwich today. Wish me luck. June 26th, 2015, PM. I did it. I went straight to the refrigerator this morning and threw that nasty old sandwich out. Mike came to my desk pissed off about it. I lied and told him that I didn't do it. He told me that he was going to get to the bottom of this. June 26, 2015, PM, Entry 2. I'm getting a little freaked out. As soon as I grabbed my shampoo bottle tonight, I heard a voice again. It said, Excellent job. You have to continue removing the expired goods from the world. I dropped the bottle on my big toe. It hurt like hell. I reached down to pick it up but hesitated. I shook it off, thinking I was being stupid. After picking up the bottle and not hearing anything, I realized that it must have just been me being proud of myself. I'm not normally the type of person who likes to ruffle feathers. June 28th, 2015 PM. I'm starting to get worried about my mental health. 
When I went into the bathroom to piss, the shampoo was humming. Not like a rumble or anything. It was humming a tune. I opened the shower curtain and the bottle spun around on the little rack that hangs from the shower head. It stopped humming. It spoke to me. You have to do my work. I have lost my power to cleanse the world. I just stared as the bottle spoke to me. I used to take out the trash, but some of my colleagues said I became overzealous. They relegated me to cleaning your dandruff. But the expiration dates on things out there are coming and going. The world must be cleansed, starting with Mike. I remembered the rage I felt when Mike told me not to throw away the moldy sandwich. I imagined strangling him and throwing his body in the dumpster, just like I did all of that bad food. I snapped out of it almost immediately. Back to work tomorrow. I have to get this under control. I'm thinking about tossing the shampoo. June 29th, 2015. P.M. Mike is trying to frame me for something. I got an email from Bill today saying my expense reports looked fishy. I forgot to get new shampoo, so I had to listen to mine talk again tonight. He seems to believe that Mike is getting stale. June 30th, 2015. P.M. That asshat Mike stopped by my desk today. He asked for a good time to have a sit-down and discuss the expense report. I told him the only time I could do it was tomorrow, right after lunch. He wrote the date and time on his hand. July 1st, 12.30 p.m. I'm not looking forward to this. I keep good records of everything, though, so I should be fine. Shampoo was silent tonight. Maybe the rotten milk was still messing with me. I'm just glad that's out of my system. I was really getting weirded out. Murder shampoo. <laughs> I hope no one ever reads those entries. July 1st, 2015, p.m. Mike's dead. I showed up at his office at 12.26 p.m. He was still at lunch. He came in about a minute later. He plopped half of a sandwich down on his desk, wrapped in the original wrapper. I immediately noticed that the goodbye date was well past due. He told me the meeting was canceled and that it was a mistake on his part that screwed up the expense reports, and he already fixed it. He sat down as I was getting up. He unwrapped the sandwich and took a bite. I gagged a little as I watched him chew. He looked at me and said, mouth full of rotten food, The sandwich is fine. I told you, those dates are j- He started choking. I looked at his hand. A smudged but readable, July 1st, 1230. I glanced up at the clock. 1231 p.m. I guess he was past his expiration date. I made sure he was nice and purple from lack of air before I shouted for help. They couldn't revive him, but I knew they wouldn't be able to. Shampoo told me as much. Drunken Escapades, as told to my confidant, the John. By Brianna Robertson. Saturday, <clears throat> January 24th, 2015. 2.47 a.m. Tonight was crazy, John. Seriously, you should have been there. 
Pete decided to go swinging from my chandelier. What? No, no, I'm not kidding. Dumbass fell and broke his arm. You never see so many idiots go running when they hear sirens. People tripping and falling all over the place. Guess I'm no better, huh? At least I didn't have to worry about getting arrested. At least I'm legal. But seriously, that was some stupid shit. Huh? Uh, yeah, I think he's gonna be fine. Lucky bastard. Probably should have broken his neck. I'm gonna go see him tomorrow. See if he needs anything. I tell you, these Sigma Phi Epsilon parties are nuts. It's weird, you know? But part of me's glad I'm almost done with them. I'm getting too old for this shit. Sunday, February 15th, 2015, 12.53 a.m. She broke up with me, John. She just... I don't know what happened. Things were good. We were good. Here I am, thinking we're out for a nice romantic dinner. I mean, that's what you do on Valentine's Day, right? And then she comes at me all like, We're heading in different directions. I don't want to hold you back. What's that shit, man? I just don't get it. I mean, I get we're graduating in a couple months, but so what? So she wants to be a journalist. I'm down with that. Just because I'm going to have to move to New York, start working in the office, doesn't mean we couldn't make it work. Damn it, John. I think... I think I might have loved her. What What if she was the one? Thursday, February 19th, 2015. 3.38 p.m. Life sucks, John. You know that? Shit. I'm out of tequila. Friday, February 27th, 2015. 10.22 p.m. Look, John, I'm sorry. So sorry. You deserve better than this, I know. I'll make it up to you, I promise. Tomorrow morning, I'll give you a nice, good scrubbing. I pro- Yes. I pro- Wednesday, March 18th. 2015, 1.39 a.m. That's it. This is my last night of self-pity. I mean it. Who gets this worked up over a woman anyway? I should be ashamed of myself. You know what, John? I am. I'm ashamed of myself. So she broke up with me. So what? There's plenty of other women out there. New York will be full of them. They'll be throwing themselves at me. Why shouldn't they? I've got a lot to offer, right? What? Shut up, John. Nobody asked you. Damn. I need to get laid. No, not tonight, obviously. But soon. Definitely soon. Shit.
I have class in six hours. Thursday, April 9th, 2015, 6.46 p.m. Liquid courage. That's all I've got. I don't think I'm cut out to be a businessman, John. I mean, what am I, really? Nothing more than an overindulged frat boy who drinks too much. I can't run a company. My father's crazy if he thinks I can. Crazy. 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 Maybe he drank too much in college. You're cool, John. You know that? Nice and cool. You feel good against my skin. Huh? No, not like that. Jeez. Hate you sometimes. Yeah, yeah. The feeling's mutual. I know. But I love you too. Just shut up. I'll be back in a couple days. Sunday, April 12th, 2015. 11.52 p.m. I killed it, John. I killed it. I don't think even my father expected me to do that well. I sure as hell didn't. Who knew? Who knew I could pull that off? They loved me. They absolutely loved me. They're making me head of development. I can't, I can't even believe it. You know what? I feel sick. I don't care. I don't. Oh, did I mention Sarah? She's my father's partner's daughter. There were some definite sparks. We'll have to see how it goes. I can't wait to see where that goes. Friday, May 22nd, 2015. Hey, John. Sorry I haven't been around lately. I've been busy finishing up classes, getting my stuff shipped to New York, finalizing paperwork. I'm graduating tomorrow. Entering the real world, John. Finally becoming an adult. I didn't want to leave without saying goodbye, though. Figured I'd let myself have this one last night. Figured you could give me a good send-off. I'm gonna miss you, man. You've been a real pal. See me through my good and my bad. Sure, sometimes you've been a real pain in my ass, but hey. What are friends for, right? I told one of the freshmen about you. Name's Mike. He's a good guy, one of the Sigmas. I didn't want you to get lonely, and those Sigma guys, they can always use someone to talk to. I know I did. Seriously, John, I don't know what I would have done these past four years without you. What? Yeah, yeah. I know, I'm getting all sappy on you. So what? Here. Here's to you. To the best John a guy could ever have the privilege of puking in. To my friend, my confidant, to my John. I love you, man. All right, and back to us. Yeah, but it's not just all about us, you know? What do you mean? 
I mean that we're not the best that are out there. There are people, real authors. Real? Yeah, who have more stuff than we do. They need to send it to us. Well, they do, but I was actually talking about, you know, published authors. Ooh. Like Katie Brisky. Now, she is quite Canadian. She's very Canadian. (laughs) And if you want to see just how Canadian, well, we're going to give you a little seasoning. Take a listen. We are here with Katie Brisky of Total Epicness here live at Balticon 49. Woot! Woot! Yeehaw! So I'm just going to start with our basic question. Okay. Um, What of your works or parts of your works, published or unpublished, have you been most surprised to write? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I sound that like I'm really surprised. I expected good questions. Let's just be <laughs> let's just be clear about that. Um, probably the one I was most surprised to write was the um, game I did for Choice of Games. So an interactive fiction piece. Think like um, a choose your own adventure book oh. that is played online in your browser or on your personal device in any number of apps. Okay, Simply, where can I find this? <laughs> um, anywhere fine apps are sold. It's on iTunes. It's on Google Play. It's on the Android Store. It's everywhere. Excellent. Um, I just never expected to write one. It was like, can you write this if we pay you cash monies? And I said, (laughs) yes, I can write that if you pay me cash monies. And that was my first foray into uh, interactive fiction. Love that. Cool. Now, I I do know you mentioned that you're a historian by trade. So is there a particular era that you focused on or just? Uh, Very much the Victorian era. Um, So I worked at a living history museum up in Toronto, which is set in the 1860s. So really, mid-Victorian Ontario is my jam. <laughs> but, you know, broader social trends in the 19th century. Uh, but super interested in history in general, so I will go a little bit earlier as well. But that's kind of like my home base mm-hmm. in history. If you got to mash up any two eras or people from any two eras and pit them against each other. Oh. So we're, we're trying to inspire new stories. Right. <laughs> I see. I see. It's like this whole melting pot mashup. thing. Yeah. Well, I, I history too i'm more war of the roses to tudor era is my favorite i would actually i would like elizabeth the first and queen victoria oh. in the same room it would just be resting bitch face all day <laughs> it would be amazing it would be terrifying I would love but that. it would be great i want that to happen that is good <laughs> so i do know that you're obviously involved with the ministry of peculiar occurrences t and pip yeah. And doing all their stuff. So. Enforcing stereotypes. That's, that's me. I just yeah. read the, the yeah. stereotypes there wherever that's I go. That's all you're known for. Um, <laughs> yeah, that so, was a little unsettling, actually. <laughs> so I'm kind of I'm kind of curious. There is a, obviously a lot of uh, inventiveness going into steampunk because you're bringing more modern ideas into, mm-hmm. you know, 100 some years ago. Mm-hmm. So when you're trying to come up with a, a device that we have now that you want to have show up back then, how do you go about trying to create and make that kind of a thing work? Oh, God, I'm so bad with technology. Um <laughs> For me, it was, okay, well, I need a device that can do this. Um, So something I learned studying their books is you don't always have to explain how things work. Um, You can show how it works. You can describe what it looks like. But think today, like, I don't actually know all of the mechanics involved in a lot of the devices I use in my everyday life. Mm-hmm. But I know how they work mm-hmm. in terms of I press this button and this thing happens. It's great. And I know what they look like. So sometimes you can get away by games. And then there was steam, cool. a hiss of steam and rattle of gears and everything was great. Yeah, because for um, them, that, that is just the world they live in. That's perfectly normal yeah. to. Any more than you would say today, like, oh, well, I pulled out my iPhone and by pressing the button, it sent the current and it right. did all of these things. You wouldn't do that. So there's a lot more freedom than you'd think. Exactly, and you can. It depends on how you play it as well. Um, for some of the things that do need a bit more technical explanation, I tend to go to experts, <laughs> people who have a little bit more technical knowledge and background than me, and say, "Hey, theoretically, how would you do this?" 
So what would you consider to be your strength as a writer? What do you feel like you are best at? What do you bring to the table? Um, I bring history, for sure, and that attention to detail. Um, and I think I bring characters, too. Apparently I bring strong female protagonists without <laughs> intending to write strong female protagonists. I know. I look at the, I look, I tend to look back and go, oh man, they're, they're all women. That's cool. <laughs> Didn't intend that, but that's just how it spun out. Uh, flipping that over, what would you say is your greatest weakness and how have you striven to overcome it? Hmm. Because I have self-doubt and a lot of self-criticism mm. a lot of the time. It's hard to put myself out there. Um, also a fair bit of anxiety over the promotion and the interacting in the broader community. And the way to get over that is just to do it. Mm hmm Right? You can't edit something you haven't finished. You can't put yourself, like, and putting yourself out there, you can fake it till you make it mm -hmm. a lot of yes. the time. Yep. Like with interviews. Like with interviews. <laughs> Again, like, those, like those can, we, more stereotypes, you know, we're oh, so, uh -huh. so, so cute and innocent. It's like, yeah, I'm just. Look, it's a Canadian character. Faking it till I make it. I'm it's gonna all have a, good. I'm going to have a Canadian character. And look, they're holding a hockey stick and a jar of maple syrup. All right. That, that was a, that, I don't know how that happened. The whole Catherine thing. That was Pip and T. Originally, with Under Oak Island, they challenged me to write the most Canadian steampunk story I could go. <laughs> so I was like, all right, I will do this. And then Pip and I, I forget where we were. We went out somewhere and we came back. And this is when I was living with them for a bit. And T had this promo script written. And it oh had gosh. Catherine, the super Canadian uh -huh. intern, Derry, and it was like, oh, and I was like, all right, I will do this, eh? And then um, <laughs> she became a character in her own. Right? Yeah, we, we totally, totally haven't run that promo. <laughs> no, uh, no Pip, not at all. Pippin, uh, yeah, she comes back. Paul Herring and I collaborated on something. That's all I'll say. Oh, <laughs> uh, is there anything else you were wanting to ask? So I got my technical I like keeping these short, so where can people find you on to interwebs? Uh, on to interwebs, you can find me at ktbrisky.com. I'm on Twitter at ktbrisky, and you can learn about beer and history at blackcreekbrewery.wordpress.com. Also, depending on when this airs, Coxwood History Fun Park .wordpress.com. Oh, dear. Fun. That was a fun interview. She is so unbelievably sweet. Yeah, she's just one of those people that if someone told me they didn't like her, I'd say, you have no idea who she is, you have never met her, and shut up, you're stupid. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the thing. Uh, she mentioned in the interview that she had written a game that is kind of a choose-your-own-adventure. I've been playing it. It's a lot of fun. It's a couple bucks on the Google Play Store. It's um, Yeti's Parole Officer is what it's called. And there's a lot of replay value, and it's just... it's. Just a kind of a hoot, something fun to play when you're just sitting around. So go give it a shot. It's it's some fun times. I imagine it would have to be hard to write for something like that. Yeah, because I've noticed there are, I mean, it is just like a Choose Your Own Adventure book. So you pick different options and you get, I mean, the plot itself is still the same, but you still get these little things that are different. So, Cater it to you. Yeah. It's, See what I did there? Cater. Oh, God. Let's go to a promo. The time has come, the villain said, to plot of many things. Of heroes, traps, and raygun blasts. Of minions and power rings. And why the sidekicks always die. And why the supervillains make the best kings. Supervillain Corner returns for its epic third season, premiering October 31st and dropping every following Saturday. Subscribe through iTunes or download the show directly from super-corner.com. That's super-corner.com.
will be back. We always come back. <laughs> Ah, uh, Supervillain Corner. Now, we have done a promo for them before. Well, them, him, Chris Morse. Hi, love Chris. You. We love you, dude. But when we did it before, because this was back on Valentine's Day, the show's been on hiatus for about a year. Which, he's got reasons. but Good ones. But the show is coming back, finally, for season three. Woo! Which I'm sure you heard on the promo. So if you don't listen to Supervillain Corner, you need to go do it. Supervillain Corner was my first experience in podcasting, and uh, needless to say, I was hooked. You can go and sit and listen to a bunch of episodes all at once because they're short, they're punchy, and you're going to laugh. He's got a whole lot of different characters he does. The plot is great. I've been waiting for season three for a while, so I'm I'm ready. Yep. Do it. Do, do it, it now. Do it. Moving on. You know something everyone likes? Well, maybe not restaurant owners, but, but people looking to choose a good restaurant. Potatoes? I do like potatoes, but no, this time I'm referring to a not P word. Onion? A food critic. Oh. Don't you love opening up your paper and, and reading a good review to tell you where you should eat? What, what place has the best food? Who has what you're looking for? I do like that. Well, I think we might need to start doing that ourselves. Okay, there's this McDonald's down the street. Okay. Food puns, not actual food. Right. Get with the program. Right. So this new segment that we're going to introduce today, this is our food critic. This is where we take a couple minutes and talk about a book that one or both of us have read and just tell you about it and hopefully you'll find something that you want to read. And also, you know, we're plugging people. Oh, yeah. So our first book is uh, The Sincerest Form of Flattery by John G. Walker, and you've read it more recently than I have. Yes, I have. I read it earlier this year. Uh, Aaron has just read it. so we're gonna... I have my reasons. Well, John is just the sweetest guy ever. I love John. He's not as Canadian as Katie Brisky. No. Fact, I don't know if anyone is. He's not Canadian at all. Okay, so The Sincerest Form of Flattery is John G. Walker's um, urban fantasy. It's the first book of his Statford Chronicles series. Featuring private detective to the gods, Tom Statford. So, Aaron, what did you like about this book? I think the first thing that comes to mind is Tom doesn't have magic. This, this series could be easily compared to the Dresden Files, which mm. I love what I've had, what I've read so far. And and you can see the similarities, you know, the inspiration, the, the similar genres, but it has some very very key differences that I feel like set it apart uh tom does not have magic he is a normal guy he is your kind of your average joe but he's not bumbling he's like we were saying the other day when we talked about it uh he's completely competent oh yeah absolutely he's not the oh you're the human working in a world of magical beings and you're bumbling around and constantly getting your butt no. saved no he's holding his own completely yeah, he knows what he's doing and he's good at it very, very good at it. Uh, so that that would be the first thing that I would say stuck out to me is mm -hmm. that he does not have magic, but he he's also he's not a Sherlock. Mm -hmm. He he does make mistakes. He is very, very human, and I feel like John really 
gave us a relatable, realistic main character. Well, it's so hard these days to find just regular people doing extraordinary things. Everything is the chosen one or the prophesied mm-hmm. one, especially in fantasy. You see that all the time. It's not just, you know, the farm boy leaves home. Oh, it turns out that the farm boy is to you know go with you know Wheel of Time is so-and-so is this hero reincarnated or yeah. this person is actually the child of a god and a hero or just all this. Tom is... He's just a guy. He's normal. You could just pass him on the street and not realize that he's anything special at all. Mm-hmm. So I, I completely agree with you on that. Just it, it is, like I said, normal guy doing extraordinary things. And holy cow, are we talking extraordinary? I mean, we have gods in this people. It would be so easy in some sort of, in this sort of urban fantasy to go with, like you said, with the Dresden Files, with the supernatural creatures, werewolves, fairies, vampires, all this. Witches and wizards. Yeah, but. Tom doesn't deal with that. Tom deals with the gods. He deals with the divine. We're talking full-on mythologies here, which that's my wheelhouse. And worldwide international pantheons. We're not talking just the Greek gods. Yeah. There's everybody. Yeah, we're yeah, he goes through everything from and we are touching a little bit more later in the series too. Mm-hmm. But we touch into um, you know, the Christian divinities. We mm-hmm. touch into Chinese gods, that kind of spirituality. We get into the Norse. Mm-hmm. He he doesn't hold back. No. Oh. Um, another pro for me would be his dialogue. Yes. It feels very natural. It feels like he had a conversation with somebody and recorded it and wrote it down. It's different characters have very distinct styles of speech, mm-hmm. ways that they talk. I don't always have to see he or she said if it's in a conversation. I can usually tell by the way they're talking. And – Holy one-liners, Batman. Yes. He has the best one-liners. And, and, and John Walker, he has a gift for first lines, whether it's a first line of a book, first line of a chapter. I just, it hooks you. It makes you want to keep reading. I, I read this book embarrassingly fast because it just sucked me in that much. Well, what you were saying about the dialogue, his books would translate really well to audio. Very, very well. And you wouldn't even necessarily need different voices for people. Because Mm -mm. like you said, you can tell who's speaking by the way they speak. Granted, some of it is because people are of different backgrounds, which, oh God, diversity in a book. Hello. But I mean, you get Tom, who is just your Joe American. You get Susie, who is Latina. Mm -hmm. Um, You get Luke, who is French. Um, Very, very stunningly French. (laughs) Um, and you get Larry, who's been around for 3,000 years, and you can tell just by the way he speaks. Extremely so, formal. So, beautifully mm-hmm. formal. The grammar. Ha, ha, grammar. Yeah, so, <laughs> so we get a lot of great just character development here. Yes, this book, it, it throws you into the world without leaving you in the dust. You understand who Tom is, where he comes from. You get to meet uh, his family, his mother, mm-hmm. who, ha, I love her. But... It also doesn't throw you so much into the big world picture that you get lost. Yeah. It gives you a good sense of who your lead is. And so it makes you want to keep reading the rest of the series. It's like, okay, what's this gonna, what's this guy gonna do next? Yes. Um, so what didn't you like about this book? For me, I could tell it was a first book, mm-hmm. even if it was just a first book of a series. You know, when someone's first starting out, you can, you can tell you've got to find a stride. So pacing was a little, it, it was fast. It was. Like I said, it was fast. It sucks you in, which can be a good thing. But it can also make you feel kind of 
Where are you going with this? It, I did feel like getting to the main big bad. Well, it, it made me feel like I was running and that I was front heavy to where I my head was getting ahead of my feet and I couldn't keep up with myself. Yes. That's how I felt reading this book, which it's not like you said, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but no. it did feel rushed. It felt like I couldn't catch my breath through this whole book. And then it was just kind of over. Yeah. Which it was still a good ending. Yeah. It's not to say there was anything wrong with the ending. Mm -hmm. It just it was so I didn't know we were leading up to the big bad. It just felt mm -hmm. like he was going about his life. And then all of a sudden, epic boss battle. Mm -hmm. And there we go. And I was, oh, oh, okay. So I, I really think that the only con about it is that it did feel like a first book. Yeah. And that's okay. But I think more importantly, is this the kind of first book you, that would still make you want to read the second? Yes. Absolutely. Well, having read the second, I can tell you that you are in for a treat. Of course. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he does hit his stride later in the series. So if you get a little, like I said, out of breath from reading the first book, trust me, move on to the next one. And it's it just he blossoms as a writer. Or if maybe you're like me and you're a little bit picky about pacing and all mm -hmm. that sort of thing that maybe you see this and go, eh, give it a chance. Yeah. Because the characters alone are worth it. Mm -hmm. They're worth any well, errors you might find. And trust me, you'll start to appreciate later on the series how much research John has put into these books. Okay, so we're going to tell you about our rating system. Um, most places you're going to get, you know, up to five stars. Well, this is the disaster kitchen, people. So even though restaurants also use stars, we thought, we're, we're not a restaurant, we're a disaster. So we got to be a little bit different. Well, and we're a kitchen, too. So, I mean, what are you going to find five of in the kitchen? Spoons. All right. On a scale of one to five spoons, I give it three and a half. And I also give it three and a half. It was an excellent, excellent first book. Um, and from what I've been told, any issues that you might find with it are smoothed out later on. Go we pick up a copy, The Sincerest Form of Flattery by John G. Walker. You will not be disappointed. Nope. So that is our food critic segment. We look forward to doing a lot more. Um, again, not always necessarily going to be books that we've both read. It could just be me telling Erin about one I've read or her telling me about one she's read. And I'll play you. I will ask questions mm -hmm. from an outsider's perspective. We're going to have a lot of fun with that segment, I think. And we hope you enjoyed it. Yeah. So we're going to go through our prompts because, you know, we can't do this show without you giving us stuff. Send us stuff. Send us stuff. Um, send us book recommendations. If there's a book that you read you want one of us to read, let us know. Tweet us. Tweet, tweet. But if you want to hear more of these Stoke the Fire stories, we got prompts for that. Just going to go over Stoke the Fires again just because it's been a while. Stoke the Fires are up to 1,500 words. And based on any of our prompts, which are two open prompts right now, are prompt number five. Uh, something in the bathroom is your character's spiritual leader or confidant. And prompt number six, why is everyone afraid of the mailman? We're going to close it out here, uh, Lexicon of Sewers and Word Chefs. I'm AF. I am Aaron. This is the Melting Podcast. Send us stuff. And we'll use it to feed the masses. Thank you for listening to the Melting Podcast. You can check out our website with submission guidelines and current prompts at... TheMeltingPodcast.com You can also find us on Twitter at MeltingPodcast or you could email us TheMeltingPodcast at gmail.com 
The Melting Podcast is released under a Creative Commons, attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license, which means you're free to copy it and share it as long as you don't change it, don't sell it, and always link back to the website. Sound effects are by the Free Sound Project. And our theme is by Drew Rich Creek. Send us stuff.